This episode of the Trek Geeks podcast is brought to you by the Trek Geek Shop. Now you can help support our show and get yourself some cool Star Trek gear at the same time. Check out our line of t-shirts, mugs, hats, and other items for your inner Trek geek at shop.trekgeeks.com. Hi, this is Michelle Specht. I play Dr. Elise McKenna on Star Trek Continues. Oh my god, I'm totally fangirling right now because I just met Dan Davidson and Bill Smith of the Trek Geeks podcast. Oh my gosh, they are amazing. Biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. Welcome, one and all, to Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. The number two podcast of attendees everywhere at Star Trek Las Vegas. True story. Mm. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and joining me, as he always does this time every episode, well, you know, we may be number two in your podcast app, but he's number 47 in your hearts. He's the largely unpopular Dan Davidson. Dan... Welcome aboard, buddy, and you're dropping like a rock. I'm unpopular, and I know it. Oh, wait a minute. That's not the song. It's sexy, and I don't know. I always get the two confused, so. Hi, it's good to it's good to finally be back in the recording chair, man. It feels like it's been forever. Yeah, we're back in the saddle. I think we haven't done this in about a month's time. It's been about a month, yeah. I mean, I had to deal with looking at your face for, for a week in Vegas, which is kind of scary in itself, but it's good to be here hearing those mellifluous tones coming out of your microphone. Do you have a tick sheet in front of you that says how many episodes you use the word mellifluous? It's, I want it to be every episode, to be honest with you. I mean, I can't, I can't sing, so I might as well say the word, right? Can you spell it? No. <laughs> I can try, but it won't be very good. Yeah, it's probably not good audio. Let's, let's avoid that. Okay. Well, Dan, if people want to send us their spellings of the word mellifluous so you can learn how, how might they get in touch with us, buddy? Oh, well, there's always a, a whole bunch of different ways to do it. On Twitter, Facebook, and Skype, our handle is Trek Geeks. You can also send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com, or you can call us at 508-784-1701. You can also leave us voicemail by going to speakpipe.com slash trekgeeks. And hey, Bill, did you know that there's an official Facebook group for Trek Geeks? Say what? Yeah, that's right. It's Camp Kittimer. We got a lot of great discussion going on out there with a lot of great people. Uh, you can get early access to these here episodes of the Trek Geeks podcast. So uh, just head right on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer, and one of our wonderful admins will let you write in. And uh, just please remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places places may be used in a future episode back to the studio and bill smith thank you dan that was great as always you knocked it out of the park buddy i learned from the best 
So maybe we can have that person on the show one day. Ken Ray was on once already. <laughs> he may come back. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, Dan, before we get to news today, let's talk a little bit about where we've been aside from Star Trek Las Vegas. We'll we'll mention a couple of specifics. Um, last week, of course, we had the audio from the podcast summit on the Roddenberry stage in Quark's mm-hmm. Bar. Yep. And uh, we've had a lot of great comments about it. It was a fantastic experience as a panelist myself. And um, I, I think that it it served to introduce people to a lot of great shows. I agree. I thought it was a great panel. There was a lot of uh, of different podcasts represented um, in that discussion. It was great hearing you up there and and uh, and giving your opinion on a bunch of stuff. We can't thank Roddenberry, Mission Log, and Priority One enough for uh, for the panel and for having you as a guest on it. It really was great to hear the different uh, the differing opinions on some of the things that were discussed. Um, but I will say that the thing that I liked the most was is how you made it very. Um, not about the podcast. I really felt that your description about our friendship and what makes the podcast so special really struck a struck a chord with me. We've discussed it before, but for you to be on that panel and say that, it meant a lot, man. Well, thanks, buddy. I mean, honestly, I think that's you know what sets our podcast apart from others and why people keep tuning in. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that, but people can go anywhere for talk about Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And we're just you know, gratified and humbled that they choose to come here. And I have to believe in some part it's due to our interaction. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I'm just wish that I could have been there to, uh, to cheer you on, but I was uh, not available to be there that day. Well, it's true. We're going to talk about that at the end yeah. of this little uh, segment. But um, I was also a guest on another podcast, and that episode should be dropping, I believe, today. Yeah. Um, I I have. It's time for you to pick up the slack. Well, you got some time, so. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Another cheap shot. Not for long, but still. No, you, um, you were a very special guest of the Synthaholics podcast, and uh, you talked about one of your favorite movies. Yeah, well, (laughs) we talked about it and didn't talk about it, and then (laughs) talked about it, and we we tried to get away from the topic as often as possible. I can't imagine why. The uh, the title of the episode at this particular recording, I believe, is, quote, Sexy Potato Chips with Bill Smith, end quote. Okay. You'll I just will... have to tune in to find out why. I might have to listen to that before the Trek Geeks podcast later on. Well, we all know you don't listen to the <laughs> Trek Geeks podcast. I knew that, I knew that was coming. I just walked right in front of that fastball. Well, Dan, there was an unfortunate incident at our Camp Kittimer meetup in Las Vegas at the I-Bar where you were served with a cease and desist from five-year mission. Do you want to talk about that and address it at all? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, you know, I, I can understand. You know, I think there's some a little bit of maybe jealousy or concern in the band about having someone with the pipes like mine, you know, singing their song. So I was served a cease and desist. John Champion read it verbatim as he presented it to me. Um, I am not allowed to sing any variations of the five-year mission songs in any way, shape, or form, either on this podcast or anywhere that anyone could get back to five-year mission doing so will require me to buy alcohol for people. So including uh, me, I'm not buying you nothing because you became an honorary band member just so that it would become legal. So 
in your face, man. In the terms of the CMD, you have to buy alcohol for the band and anyone in the immediate vicinity. I am now a member of the band. I can guarantee you that I will not be breaking this cease and desist just so I don't have to buy you a drink. <laughs> it was well, we- uh, it was it was pretty fun. I, I enjoyed it. It was it was great. But then I did a boo boo. You really muffed it on this we, one. We did have a great evening that night at the I bar. I bar. That was when I was had my uh, Guy Fieri cosplay going, and we were having a great time. Uh, we had a few drinks, and I left the C and D at the bar. Oops. Okay, so later that night, you know, fast forward several hours, we're in our hotel room and we're getting ready for bed. And he's like, "Oh man, I left the C and D at the bar," and he went all the way downstairs to look for it. Yep. I'm like, it's gone, buddy. It's gone. It's gone. And it was, in fact, gone. And it turned up in the hands of our friends at the G&T show because yeah. Robert Reyes he found it and gave it to them. The former member of the Camp Kittimer uh, Facebook page, <laughs> I mean, ad. <laughs> After he shot the video of the C&D being read, which we must thank him for. Thank you. He then took that C&D and delivered it into the hands of another podcast. And now there's going to be a trial at the hands of Justice Janet on the G&T show during their 24 hours of G&T on October 29th. Yeah. And it will be you versus Fark, yep. a five-year mission. Yeah, I'm uh, thinking maybe I'll give Alec a call and see if he'll represent me. Well, he was trained as a lawyer. <laughs> So it should be interesting. The uh, the GNT show actually had a segment uh, recently about the whole thing. They read it, and they also read official statements that were provided by uh, Fark and myself and one jerky co-host of the Trek Geeks podcast who decided that he had to uh, say something about it, but we won't really get into the details. You sent them two statements? <laughs> no, that was you, Bill. You sent them one. I sent them one. Mine they was... asked me for a statement. I made a statement. You should have said, I stand behind my partner in all ways, and he's awesome, but you didn't say that. <laughs> well, what can I say? You engaged in intellectual property theft. Parody. <laughs> but not parody because you didn't transform anything. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, on October 29th when we have our trial. I'm looking forward to it. I feel I have a strong defense, maybe, and we'll see what happens. Well, we have to say right off the bat, we love everybody at GNT. They yes. were so great to us in Vegas. We love Five Year Mission. They were Absolutely. outstanding as the oh, house band. They were great. And uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a good time with it. It is, and and uh, and for those people that might think that there's really you know some some bad blood between us, we're having a hell of a time with this. It is a lot of fun, and I hope everybody tunes in to that uh, special uh, 24 hour G and T show on the 29th, and we'll be in there somewhere. Don't know where. Somewhere they'll probably be at like three in the morning to minimize right. exposure to you. <laughs> to me, yeah. Wow. Speaking of exposure, Dan. In Vegas on Sunday, you did something fairly special, and I want you to tell the story in your words. So tell us what you did. Yeah, um, this all stems uh, from, again, you, you you feed me good ideas, man. You got your Star Trek pinup girl tattoo last year, um, and it was phenomenal work by Walter Frank, also known as Sausage from Revolt Tattoo. He's been on Ink Master twice. He's come in second twice. 
Um, and I felt that with the 50th anniversary coming up, I've never had ink before. I never really thought about it much, but I figured that it was time to give my tribute to Star Trek this year while we were out in Vegas. So over the course of the year, I, um, I found some, some artwork to, to work with to get a special tribute to not only Star Trek, but to Deep Space Nine, which was my favorite series and the series that literally saved my life. So on that Sunday, you and I and Mumphrey, our good friend, went down to, uh, uh, Revolt Tattoos. We sat with Sausage for a little while as we went over the design. We decided on some changes, uh, and, uh, and started the work. Now, what I had initially decided on was a Deep Space Nine Delta, and inside the Delta is the wormhole itself with the space background, and it's inside the Delta, which gives it a very special look. Um, originally, I had thought of putting Deep Space Nine itself in front of this Delta, um, but in talking with Sausage, we decided that we didn't think it was going to work that well. So you, being a just quick, zippy guy, pulled up a great high-res image of the Defiant on your phone, mailed it over to Sausage, and he went out back and did some work on his computer and came up with a design that was just unbelievable. Um, and, and six hours later, I had... Um, an un- unbelievable work of art on my arm that will be there for the rest of my life. And I could not be more proud of it. I could not be happier for the work that Sausage did. I will always be eternally grateful for his artistry. And uh, I am very proud to have this on my arm. And I've gotten tons of compliments. I almost started crying when I saw it for the first time. Um, you know that I had not looked at it at all during the six hours I was in that chair. And the first time I saw it was when it was revealed in the mirror, which you took video of and posted out on Twitter and and Facebook. And it really was an overwhelming moment to see the amount of detail and beauty in this tattoo. And it is just phenomenal. I could not be happier with it. It's a, it's a wonderful job. Sausage is a a truly amazing artist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you've watched Ink Master, you get a sense of what he can do, but it's so, you know, whittled down and encapsulated into an hour long show that you don't get to see the process and, and what he does and and how he, he draws. And it's, it's fascinating. You know, I, I saw it with my tattoo. I saw it with yours. I was lucky. I got back from the podcast panel in time to shoot the video of your tattoo reveal. Mm -hmm. And that's something I just, you know, I had the bright idea. Hey, wait a second! I can get in a cab and be there in ten minutes. Yeah, and uh, and that let's was, go. And that was a surprise. I didn't expect that when you said you were on your way back. I was like, oh my god, that is so awesome! And then for you to be able to do the video of the reveal was great. I was overwhelmed because the amount of detail that Sausage does in his work is really amazing. For people that have not seen it. On the Defiant, when we originally discussed it, he didn't know how much detail he was going to be able to put in it. He didn't even know if he was going to be able to put USS Defiant on the top of the hull where we, where it, where it's, it, you can see it. He not only got that in, he got a Starfleet Delta, a tiny one, but it's, it, you yeah. can't mistake it for anything but a Starfleet Delta on top of the Defiant right before the red line that goes to the, towards the center of the hull. Just unbelievable work. The detail is incredible. Uh, the colors are amazing. That's what a lot of people really, uh, uh, I had a couple people at work look at it today and they said it looked like it was fake because it's so good. It's so <laughs> colorful. So I almost feel like that's the ultimate compliment. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. And I've also been very lucky that there was a new, um, 
a new thing that they do now on art on on the tattoo where they put like a, a second skin over the tattoo for six days. I didn't I didn't remove this. I haven't had any pain. I haven't had any itching. I haven't had any flaking or anything like that. It's been two weeks so far, um, and it looks it looks fabulous. Just absolutely fantastic. Well, buddy, I'm I'm so glad you had that experience. I'm glad that Sausage was able. Yeah, sorry, actually able to do the tattoo. Yeah, and uh, I'm just so excited it came out as well as it did. Yeah, um, quick quick little story on that before we move on. As you know, originally Sausage was not available while we were in Vegas. He was going to be out of town. So I uh, was able to schedule getting the work done with Joey Hamilton, who is also been on Ink Masters, and he's actually won Ink Masters. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to have an Ink Master champion do it because the guy who came in twice second wasn't able to so either one was going to be awesome but sausage did yours so i had a kind of a kind of a little bit of a connection to him already well the day before the tattoo on saturday i got a call from from revolt and they said that joey's really booked up on sunday and would you mind if if sausage did it instead and i was like no (laughs) it was just like instant so yeah we're really happy we're so happy with it that um as my wife was watching the video stream which um you can go to their website and watch people getting ink she finally sent like the fifth hour she goes okay i'm ready for my tattoo so we're gonna plan on a little trip out there so she can get one by sausage also so we're pretty excited I think my wife is thinking the same thing. <laughs> there you go. Sausage, Return. we're getting you customers, man. <laughs> Dan, before we get to the news, we're going to make a last-ditch plea for yes. Trek 50. Mm-hmm. We were in Vegas and didn't get nearly as many stories as we wanted, so... Please, everybody listening within the sound of my voice, if you haven't called and told us the story of your first time watching Star Trek, please call us now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the episode that we're going to be dropping uh, with this special Trek 50 project is the week of September 6th. So that's just two weeks away. So, uh, yeah, give us a call. 508-784-1701. Go to our website and uh, click on the uh, little button to leave a message right there on the web page. And we will definitely get you into that episode. We want to get as many stories as possible. Every story is unique and every story is special. And we want to hear your story. So, yeah, definitely give us a call, and we want to have your story for our episode that drops September 6th, the week of the actual 50th anniversary. And um, please just you know call us. We'd love to hear from you. So, Dan, with that, let's move on to the news from treknews.net. <laughs> Sorry. You okay? I, I thought I was going to start singing, and you know what happens when that happens. Oh, boy. Here we go. Uh (laughs) We're going to run through these pretty quickly because we're a long episode today. Um, First up, Dan, there was a Star Trek Discovery update just days after Star Trek Las Vegas. Yeah, that was good timing, huh? Yeah. Yeah, really. But it's good news. I'm very excited about the news. We finally have a time frame for Star Trek Discovery. Uh, it's going to be set in the Prime Universe. We did hear about that previously. But we now know that it is going to take place a decade before... The original series. So is that good or bad? I think it's good. I've got some ideas floating in my head. I think it's great to finally have that time frame. So 10 years before Kirk and Spock showed up is when Star Trek Discovery is going to be happening. Um, there will be a female lead who will not be a captain, which I find very interesting. And that, I do uh, too. that'll be uh, great to see what it's like from a non-captain perspective. 
Uh, and the other big piece of information that we got with this announcement uh, right after uh, STLV was that there will be a gay character in the in this series, um, in in IDIC. I mean, it's a perfect example. So uh, looking forward to all of these things. It is time. Uh, there were some great uh, words from um, from Brian Fuller about that, as well as the other things in that announcement. So Discovery shape taking shape, folks, and uh, it's not that far off. So we're looking forward to more stories about what's going to happen. We're going to talk a little bit about Discovery now in our next story. And it appears, Dan, that there may be more details revealed in just a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, Mission New York is coming up very soon. And uh, they are already talking about how there are going to be some possible announcements about Discovery there. I believe there's going to be some panels set up um, with uh, uh, Kirsten Bear and Nicholas Meyer, which that's going to be I, – I, I want to go to New York, dude. I'm jealous. <laughs> no. Um, that's pretty great. It's going to be Saturday, September 3rd on the main stage uh, at 3.30. Oh. Uh, moderated by Jordan Hoffman, who is the host of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. So that should be pretty good. I'm sure we're going to get some big news out of this convention uh, of what Discovery is going to be like. Hopefully, we'll get some more video, maybe some more, more polished video um, with the ship. Uh it's going to be great. I'm I'm looking for names of cast members. That's what my next big thing is. I want to see who's going to be playing what. It's going to be a big weekend because the same weekend as Mission New York, which looks like it's going to be a convention that's light years better than STLV was. We'll talk about that with our mm-hmm. guest in just a little bit. Yep. Salt Lake Comic Con is the same weekend, and the seventh episode from Star Trek Continues debuts that same weekend. I can't wait to see this one. We've got some details of what it's like. We know some people that are in this episode, and we're very excited for them. Um, whenever it's close to a to a release of one of the STC episodes, I just get giddy as, as Christmas morning because we know it's going to be special. Uh, I can't wait. And uh, the discussion that we had with Vic uh, just last week with some of the things about this episode, just really can't wait to see it. It's going to be phenomenal. I I think that's the only thing we can guarantee. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, uh, next in news, there's some Star Trek Beyond stories. I've seen a lot on social media, people saying that Beyond is doing poorly or disappointing at the box office. I don't understand that at all, man. Uh, I I I think it's people wanting to control the narrative personally. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. I mean, it's been out for uh, over 20 days now. It's grossed almost 200 million dollars yet people are saying it's a disappointment. I don't and, and even over at this point, I think. I say that and yeah, and it hasn't even been released in several major countries like China. It's not coming out for another week, I believe, in China and they have been pushing it hard over there. So there's quite a big bump, I think, that's going to be coming soon. So for a movie to make $200 million, it's already making a profit, but yet it's a disappointment. I just don't get that, as my dog is saying how disappointed she is as well. <laughs> well, and in, in Japan, it doesn't open until October, I believe. So oh, wow. There are a lot of foreign markets yet to be heard from, and I think that, you know, I, I think a number closer to $300 million probably is – is accurate. It's yes. less than Into Darkness made, but its budget was 185 million. Right. 
So I, it'll be a modest success, but they've already greenlit number four. Exactly. And, and I don't, I, you said it yourself. If people wanting to control the narrative, I think is why this is coming out. It's been getting great reviews on like Rotten Tomatoes. It's a certifiable hit or certified hit rather. Um, so for this discussion, it's kind of disappointing because we thought it was just so fantastic. We loved it. We've each seen it more than once. Um, we've talked to people that absolutely love it. So, I don't know. Is it just the people are always going to have something to pick apart and complain about? Is that what we're looking at? I mean, it, I think so. I mean, this article, they say that they don't think it'll make 300, but I think it will. And I think that's a tremendous success for any movie, regardless of what the budget was. I think so, too. Uh, yeah, the point is, if if you love the movie, go see it and see it more than once. <laughs> I know I have because I have time. Right, Dan? <laughs> you, said oh. it. you said it. I didn't. But yeah. Dan, lastly in news, you and I have a special announcement, and um, we're going to be doing something in January that we're pretty excited about. This is unbelievably exciting. You know, we've we've been doing this for a year and a half now. Uh, we've had such a great time, and this is a great time to be a Trek fan. And with Star Trek Discovery coming out in January, we've been discussing what we could do. Did we want to have special Trek Geek episodes? Uh, but then, you know, we want people to listen every week. But if they're not watching Discovery yet, what are they going to do? So we've decided, or you, you came up with a great idea. Uh, we are going to have a new podcast from Trek Geeks coming out this January. It's going to be called Talking Trek, and it is going to uh, take a look at every episode for the 13 episodes of Season 1. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to hopefully get special guests every week to go over the episode and talk about it. And I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Me too. Our intent with this is to make it a companion podcast for Star Trek Discovery. So uh, kind of like an after show of sorts. But since the, sh the show is streaming online itself, that makes it a little tough to do. So it will be an after show like podcast to talk about developments in the episode and plot points and characters. And it will be just for Star Trek Discovery. So we figured that was the best way to keep people away from spoilers if they're not subscribing to CBS All Access in the United States, or if they're just not going to watch it yet. Right. And and it, it will be uh, starring myself and you, correct? Uh, yes. I uh, can't win them all. <laughs> I will say the executive producer of Talking Trek is Daniel Davidson. Congratulations. You have Dan. talked me into that role, and I will take it seriously, and hopefully we will have a successful uh, new show in January, man. I'm looking forward to it. No pressure. None. And it's it's only because I can't produce two shows and still expect I'm going to be married. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess there's that. Yeah. And I mean, if I'm if I'm going to be, you know, trying to, to do half as good as you are as executive producer of Trek Geeks, then it'll be a good thing. So. Oh, God. Can we move on? <laughs> One of the people we were most excited to meet during this year's STLV was fellow podcaster who was equally as excited to have met us for some reason. That never happens. He did some great cosplay during the con, including a deep cut with one of my favorite guest characters, Dr. Donald Corey from the third season TOS episode, Whom Gods Destroy. 
You may know him from Trek FM, where he's hosted such podcasts as Warp 5, the podcast dedicated to Star Trek Enterprise, or more recently from Standard Orbit, the show dedicated to the original Star Trek. These days, though, you can hear him on the Fandom Podcast Network, where he spends a lot of time talking about Immortals on Blood of Kings, a Highlander podcast. He is the beautiful and talented Norman Lau, and he joins us now for what we hope is the first of many appearances here on the Trek Geeks podcast. Norm, welcome, buddy. It's so good to have you on. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here, and I love how you said Enterprise with a little bit of that Florida panhandle twang. <laughs> <laughs> little it's bit of that catfish the way that trip calls it <laughs> i had the eyebrow raised when he said that i was like oh that was different it's like hmm, hmm flavorful and southern <laughs> it's a, a complete accident i assure you well thank you for having me on it's a real honor to be here and i am i was so excited to meet you guys and and shake hands and just just to kind of Meet the people who, you know, uh, inspire me in podcasting and I listen to. And it was a really nice podcast fest down there, wasn't it? Yes. Or over there, I guess. It certainly was. And I got to tell you, um, the first night that I met you and got to shake your hand, you were wearing that Governor Corey, uh, uh, cosplay. And literally after we met, Bill and I were walking down the hall from the meetup that we were at. And I said to him, I said, that's going to be one of the best cosplays I've seen. It was so great, man. That, that, that was just awesome. Oh, thanks. And literally, it, it was like a last minute thing. I, I know you guys probably have questions about that, but that was an unbelievable win, I guess, you know, as a <laughs> cosplay, at least for me, since it was kind of like my first convention, uh, in general with cosplay. So wow, that was fun. Well, and, and it was your first STLV too, right? First major STLV, definitely first major one with creation. I've been to smaller conventions. I'm sorry, and I apologize to the listeners firsthand because I do dramatic pauses. It's just what I do. So it is my first legitimate cosplay, you know, and, um, well done. <laughs> that's good. And, uh, it, no, it was, and I, I loved every minute of it. I brought my best friend with me, and there's a whole story to be told there, but it was, and it was really memorable. Fantastic, fantastic all the way around. Tell us a little bit about that then. You said that this story behind that cosplay, it was, it was one that, you know, not a, a good character. Don't get me wrong. I, I love Governor, Governor Corey and Whom God's Destroy, but he's not mm -hmm. one of those characters that people think of right off the bat when you're talking original series. What brought this into play, and what made you decide to be uh, Governor Corey from that episode? Okay, so 2009. I'm going to tell a long tale, so listeners bear with me. But 2009, <laughs> Dan and Bill, please bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> hey oh, like, skip to the end. No, um. In 2009, I was cosplaying uh, an original series uniform, and I was wearing the captain's rank. And obviously, when people see you in captain's rank, they would call you captain, right? Of course. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was out at a bar with some friends, and then all of a sudden, I was paired up with some people to play some pool. And then someone says, wow, man, I love your costume. I love Sulu. <laughs> and, oh, right? Yeah. Wah, wah. So wow. I go, really? You? He was obviously lieutenant. I'm a captain. What's wrong with you? But no, I, you know, you kind of get it. You're like, oh yeah, Asian command, yellow uniform cosplay, Sulu. It, it kind of just all fits into place. So you know, I kind of took that with a little bit of a grain of salt and, and decided to, you know, get really, really wasted in, in all of my sorrow. And uh, I said, give me the brandy, you know, so, um, 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, I started looking at more cosplay and, and throughout the course of the years and all the conventions, I see what was happening at Dragon Con and I see all these great costumes, you know, all the great First Contact and TNG and TOS and all these great cosplayers and the Monster Maroons, which eventually I will get to. But I never really saw some of the deep cut um, uniforms like the utility uniforms or some of the Mirror Mirror henchmen guys or, you know, one that we saw there at STLV, you know, one of the guards from a Mini R7 from... Yeah, uh, you know, from uh, oh gosh, it escapes me. Uh, <laughs> way to go, TOS Standard Orbit host. Anyway, uh, I I got that for you. You know, what I'm saying? That okay, would go, be go for it. A taste of Armageddon, taste sir. Of Ar- thank you, thank you very much. Thank you. We'll uh, know about why I know that later on in the show. But there's that. You know, you you go for some of these costumes, and you go, okay. When you walk by somebody, it kind of stops you in your tracks, and that's not the reason why I chose it. The reason why I chose Governor Donald Corey, because there were a very or there is a very small handful of legitimate major Asian roles in Star Trek in the original series, George Takei being one of them, but he was one of the major cast, one, you know, one of the casted characters and not a guest cast and not certainly a minor guest cast because in Whom Gods Destroy, it really was all about um, Stephen Inhat as, as Lord Garth of Izar and Yvonne Craig as, as Marta (laughs) redeemed, redeemed with that kind of knowledge. (laughs) So then you had obviously Kay Luke as governor Donald Corey, but he was one in my repertoire of characters that I remembered as being significant to me being Asian and being at least significant up to a point. And then never seeing him in the tapestry of really any cosplays, not just him, but any of like the Tantalus colony Mm -hmm. or any of the mental health jumpsuit uniforms. So why not? Why doesn't that get enough play? You know, it was absolutely one of my favorites because you know you always see Starfleet personnel, and you know you'll see a Captain Pike in the wheelchair every now and then, like we did this year, and it was phenomenal. But you don't see a lot of those, you know, smaller guest characters, and I just I loved it. I mean, the episode is one of my favorites from third mm-hmm. season. Right. And then when I saw you in the jumpsuit, I'm like, oh man, this is perfect. Yep, absolutely perfect. You you killed it, man. No oh, thanks. And it's it was fun just because I guess like the the first time I I came off the elevator, you know, coming in from the other tower and across the masquerade bar, there were like these looks that you get. <laughs> and I'm not sure if they were they were like they weren't like good looks, they were bad looks. They were like questionable looks. And when I say questionable, people are kind of like they were like what is that? I know that, but I don't what is that? Oh. And then people would stop me and like, I know that. What is that from? And, you know, explain it to them. They're like, oh, yeah. Okay. I get it now. And I said, you know, yeah. Then what, they, and then they asked me the same questions you asked, you know, why, why would you wear that? And then I told them the story and they're like, oh, yeah, very cool. But then I'll walk up to say you, you know, you, Dan, or you, Bill, and you instantly get it. I mean, I, I really loved kind of like the reaction I got from both of you. Like, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Was- I love seeing TOS represented at cons. I mean, you know, we we see everything from next gen to enterprise and all the way through, but I always have a soft spot in my heart for TOS cosplay. I really do. I think the thing is with TOS cosplay, aside from the major things that you see, like the the velours or the knit costumes or mm-hmm. some even like the, um, the Romulan costumes and some of the Vulcan things, when you're looking at the, the tapestry of the cosplays, it's so colorful. Right. And there's just, there's such a vibrancy to them. The uh, shot of all of the TOS cosplayers in the DeForest Kelly Theater, the second theater, is so great because there's so much 
variety. And I'm not saying that the costumes from TNG or DS9 or, or the costumes, especially the Monster Maroons, which is very kind of monotonous in a good way. When you see the TOS costumes, they're all across the board. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you have your Bella and Loki, so you have black and white and white and black. And, you know, those are kind of cool to see. You'll see the, the Tholian, which was amazing. You know, but you'll see some of the other costumes. You'll see your hairy muds and muds women, and then you'll see yes. all the different types of utility uniforms, and then you'll see obviously all the different the Technicolor, blue, gold, and, and red in the uh, in the command structure, and all of those traditional looks. But overall, there's such a rainbow effect of of just energy, and I think that's something that's really unique and, and fun about TOS. It's just it's so well. It's like you know, the, like a peacock from NBC. It's just very Technicolor, right? Definitely. Right. Now, you said you went with your friend to the convention, and last year I went with Dan to his first STLV. I'd been to about five or six straight at that point. Mm-hmm. But did you find that that changed your convention experience dramatically because you were both kind of experiencing it for the first time? I think so. I don't really have a convention per se to really set the bar to and and the thing is is that now every convention after this after the 50th is going to be difficult but not necessarily worse or better it's just going to be different because the bar was raised so high mm, yeah and i wanted to do this on the 49th but i said you know for my first convention and for todd's first convention of any kind because he's not a san diego convention goer or a salt lake city or any of the major convention goers this is his first time really being exposed this deep into his into his fandom i said why don't we do this together i'll at least have i have some experience in the convention circuit at least getting around and understanding that the stimulus effect is so extreme when you come in your first time and you're just your head's on a swivel and you can't really kind of focus and everything is just a blur and i want to be able to help him kind of focus and crystallize his his experience and then just be able to point him in the directions okay pay attention to this pay attention to this and pay attention to this so that it's not just all whipping by him but we planned this years ago we planned this when we were freshmen in college together which is where we met oh wow Mm -hmm. now was he the the gentleman who was dressed up as captain tracy no he was commodore decker Oh, okay. You were Tracy. I was Tracy. That's right. That's right. My, sorry, right. I mixed it up. Yeah, that was both of those were great. I mean, he had the the disheveled look about him. I thought that was that was pretty cool. I love how everybody puts the detail into these things that they do, not just with costumes, but with with facial features and and makeup and hair and everything like that. It was pretty cool. Well, Tracy's. I mean, not Tracy. Uh, Decker is his favorite character, and. I mean, this goes all the way back to when we first met in college because he was from a different dorm. I was from a different dorm. And then I was visiting a friend of mine in, in a dorm where we shared a bunch of friends from freshman year. I was watching Arena in a friend's dorm because I didn't really know anyone. I said, hey, can I borrow your VCR? That's right, baby. I said VCR. <laughs> At least it wasn't beta. No, it wasn't beta. No beta. <laughs> and I had Arena from the old Paramount, you know, the uh, the blue... Uh, boxes, you know, with yes. like kind of like the magenta trim and the picture yep. in the center. Oh yeah. So I had Arena with me and one of like the five or six that I had, and then I popped that in, and it was right where about Kirk was going to blast the Gorn with the his makeshift lathe, you know, or the uh, <laughs> the cannon. And um, Todd popped in. He goes, "You watching Star Trek?" I'm like, "Yeah, man." And he goes, "Can I watch with you?" Because he didn't really know anybody in the dorm either, and that's where we met, and we were lifelong friends since. So, but his his favorite episode is the Doomsday Machine, mm-hmm. and. I said, well, we're going to go. And I said, you're going to go in costume. 
because you have to go and cosplay and experience that deep dive in your fandom at least once. And he goes, do you think that's a good idea there? I'm like, it's the best idea there. (laughs) (laughs) Where else are you going to go to be able to do this without... And I'm going to say this actually as a kind of a serious point. Where are you going to be able to go and do this without anyone batting an eyelash you at at least in a good way? Exactly. Right. Right. Because you don't have... That's one thing he actually told me. He goes, Norm... When I was there, I didn't feel any fear or prejudice or bigotry or any issue regarding my fandom at all. I felt unbelievably comfortable with everything. Yep. And I think that's a, a really profound thing to say for somebody who comes away from his first convention. That's awesome. I, I remember feeling the same way last year with my first. I didn't actually cosplay last year. I was going to this year, but I put it off until next year. Um, and I can't wait to, 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 have that feeling uh of of dressing up and being just one of the regular people in the room because everybody mm. else is dressing up that's going to be great well you kind of guy theoried it didn't you uh, it's my first <laughs> star trek cosplay uh. i should say <laughs> <laughs> i would say if it's anything yeah. like that was it's going to be fun because i had a blast doing the guy fieri cosplay you have to tell the story dan of going through the restaurant oh it was it was hysterical we were going to have a meetup a norm of, uh, mm-hmm. of our Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. Um, mm-hmm. So we're going to meet at Guy Fieri's restaurant there at the Rio. Uh, but the, the staff wasn't overly welcoming because it was busy. So they're like, oh, yeah, there's really not enough room. Um, so we're standing outside trying to figure out what we want to do. And I'm dressed as Guy, and I'm looking at the lady and smiling at her and everything. And so Bill finally says, do me a favor. Go walk through the restaurant in case anybody who we're, is waiting for us is in there and then we'll just tell them we're going to go to the I bar or something like that. So I said, all right. So if you've seen the restaurant, it's very narrow with mm-hmm. two corridors, one on the left, one on the right. Mm-hmm. So I just went all the way down the left and I'm watching out of the corner of my eyes. I have my sunglasses on and the whole place is like stopping and watching me walk by. And I get down to the back of the restaurant and John Champion and uh, Mary Zawinski and Rod Roddenberry are all back there. They're all freaking out when I come running up to them because they knew I was going to do it. That was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And the whole place, all the tables are watching. And at one point, uh, somebody said, is, is that a costume? And I, and I took my hat off, which was connected to the hair. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nope. And the whole place was like, ah, so that was pretty funny. <laughs> then walking back out, it took me 20 minutes to get out because the people that didn't see me do that kept stopping me for pictures and telling me how great my food was and how much they love my shows and all that. I was having the time of my life. <laughs> did you get into it? I mean, did you respond? Oh, yeah. Behind? Yeah. Oh, I was talking like him. I'm like, oh, God, right, everybody. I said it was, it was great. I had a great time. It was fun did you take him to flavortown i did take a couple people to flavortown yeah and then at the i bar i was doing the exact same thing and people walking by just doing the double take and bill's like that dude wants to take a picture with you <laughs> it was isn't just, it it was fun it's the oddest thing though when people ask you can i stop you yep. and take your picture it's just <laughs> and and even like okay i got a little bit used to it when i was doing the Corey one but then todd had his picture taken a couple times because people are like oh my god i love the doomsday machine it's decker can i take your picture yeah. And, and he goes, is that okay? I go, dude, totally <laughs> eat that up. That's what you're yeah. here for, you know? And it, it, but it is an odd sensation because it's, it's it just, is. it's not normal it, in right. a way. Yeah. You know? Bill even had a good time. Uh, at one point, we were standing near the giant poster of Guy's restaurant right near the lobby, um, taking a Camp Kittimer picture with all the people that were there. And as we're doing that, people are lining up behind the people taking pictures because they want to take pictures with Guy Fieri. And at one point, Bill turned into my security guard to let him know that we had to get going <laughs> and that we were behind schedule. It was a pretty funny moment. <laughs> you, Just- 
Yeah, you just got to squeeze whatever you can out of that moment, right? <laughs> yep. Just before that, there was a little girl who wanted to have her picture taken with Guy Fieri. And her mom said, it's okay, honey. He's a person just like we are. <laughs> and at that point, you have to take the yeah. photo. Yeah. Right. You know, Dan Dan was a champ throughout all of it. He didn't, you know, ruin it for the little girl at all. I mean, he was a cosplay hero that day also. <laughs> awesome. High five from across I will be bringing Guy Fieri back to Vegas. I can guarantee you that. Oh, you have to. <laughs> you know what? You should be Guy Fieri in an Enterprise costume. Now you're the chef of Enterprise. Oh, <laughs> oh you might... got to have flames on your tunic and everything. <laughs> that might be doable. Right? I can add that to my other cosplay. I think that might be a good idea, man. <laughs> everyone, everyone else seems to be chef. Why not Guy Fieri? <laughs> right? That's right. Absolutely. So, uh... Well, and next year, Dan, you're planning some phenomenal cosplay. You may have to do some crossovers in addition. Oh yeah, I I, I can might as well say it. I'm I'm uh, I'm very excited for my first official Star Trek cosplay. I'm gonna go all out. I'm gonna try to to make uh, the best um, game set of Triskelion. I was gonna say Garth, but it's not Garth. I'm gonna do. Um, oh my god, I'm having a mind blank. Galt, Galt, Galt from Gamesters of Triskelion. I want to get, I want to get some kind of, you know, electric collars going so I can turn yes. the lights on. I want to go all out. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. We'll see. I'll come as a brain. I even have a couple people that <laughs> that have said that they might do Shauna. So we'll see what happens. Wow. Yep. Uh, I am not one of those people. I just want to clear that up for the record right Man, now. I was going to leave that for a surprise for everybody. Although that would be pretty phenomenal to see this this chunky kid in a Shauna costume, I'm just going to say. Star Trek welcomes all diversity. That's, that's, that's why we love it. Infinite combination. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, yeah, infinite diversity. So, um, so Norm, obviously you, you probably caught a wide variety of panels this year, being your first STLV. And I'm still scratching my head as to how it's your first, but we'll get to that later. But mm-hmm. were there any panels that stood out to you as, as some of your favorites this particular year? Well, to be completely honest, I didn't really actually catch a lot of panels. That's Panels for me in conventions are, are nice to see, but yeah. I really was there to kind of not really escort Todd around, but I said, you know what, dude, let's do what we want to do. And we're going to walk around. We just wanted to meet people, shake hands, especially the Trek FM people, because that was the first time I've met most of the people there that oh, have wow. either worked with um, or hosted with. Will Wynn, who was one of my co-hosts in Warp 5, is the first time I've met him. And we worked together for a solid year on that show. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And, That's pretty amazing. And then there were some other people that they worked together for years. As a matter of fact, the hosts for To The Journey, just to go on a side tangent here, they've worked together for four years, Tristan yeah. Riddell and Charlene Schmidt, and that's the first time they ever met. And I, I find that completely fascinating and also just really sweet that that these conventions or events like this can bring these people that we've been working with or have been um, have known about in this podcast community uh, for such a long time on Mission Log. There was like a nice podcast panel where there were so many different people that had a chance to probably meet for the first time and talk about podcasting experience. And I actually, I wish, I wish I could have seen that, but I didn't really actually do, I did go to a lot of panels. I did go to Shatner's, which is, I mean, he's entertainer par excellence. Am I, am I right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yep. I mean, he's, when, a, he's something else when he gets fired up, man. When he went off on string theory, I lost my mind. I think he did too. I think everyone else did too. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the space and the time and the time and the space and, and, and w- w- what is that? What what is that? You know, and like, and then um, I, who was who was this? Um, was it Adam? Uh, who was his uh, moderator? Andy? Yes, I yes. think so. Yeah. He goes, well, it's time, and you're walking through space. You're no help. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like the blind leading the blind yeah. in this case. And I can't wait to watch this new show. That new show looks ridiculously awesome because I, uh, I saw the ad during the Olympics and I was like, really? I had no idea this was coming. Yeah. He talked about that in his panel a little bit, but then I also love the question that I can't remember his name. This, this young kid asked him about, you know, who would, how would he have approached the fight between the gremlin? If the gremlin and, you know, the um, t- uh, nightmare at 10,000 feet was, or 20,000 feet was the Gorn instead. <laughs> oh my God. He was like, <laughs> How old are you? Who 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 put up, who who put you up to that? Is that your father behind you? Did he ask you to ask me that question? <laughs> but it was great. He was great. But I think uh, in all the panels that I've seen, I did see uh, Connor, um, and uh, Connor and uh, Dominic, Dom and John. I saw them on a panel, and that was great. I didn't get to see Anthony Montgomery because there's a funny story behind my mass exodus on Sunday, and. I did see Scott Bakula, and I thought Scott Bakula was fantastic. That is he, the one that I just, wanted to see. Yeah, he is just probably one of the most easygoing people on stage, and he would stand up there for hours if they let him, I think. And he would be really good at it because I think that everything not, – not to say that the other stars aren't genuine, but there is like a different level of genuine yeah. in Scott Bakula. I almost see him as – has it's almost a – as an extension of who he was in Necessary Roughness. <laughs> oh, wow. There's a deep cut. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't pick I-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Is it I-Man or Auto-Man? No, Auto-Man um, was a, a series in the 80s. I-Man was a Disney Sunday night movie. Right? Oh, that's right. Right, 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 right. Yep. Auto-Man, all the way going back to tying it into Star Trek, starred uh, uh, Desi Arnaz Jr. Yes. Yes. So... Yep. Yep. But we're not going to go as far as Manimal with Simon McCorkendale. So. That, that's <laughs> oh, my that, God. That's deep, deep cutting. That's very deep. Yeah. I, I got to say that um, I'm, I'm with you in, in terms of, of panels. Bill and I didn't get to see many panels at all. Um, it's it's For me, STLV is more of, of getting together with the people that we've gotten to know over the year and mm-hmm. and, and meeting listeners and, and other podcasters. So panels were, unfortunately, something we really didn't have a lot of time for. But the one panel that we did sit through, I was actually really disappointed with, and it kind of put a damper on the rest of going to panels for the for the convention, and that was the Leonard Nimoy tribute. I was very disappointed with how that was done. You mentioned this in an earlier supplemental update. Yeah. yeah and yeah. you said that it felt it felt like they sleptwalked. Yeah. It was it. it was it was pretty much almost the exact same thing of what they did last year when they did a tribute to him. Um it was more of a plug for for the love of Spock, which I can't wait to see, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. I just didn't feel that it was as much a tribute to Leonard as it should have been. And then they didn't even um show the final uh, his final convention appearance because they were running short on time. So they kind of cut it out and people were pissed about that. You could tell in the audience, people were not happy. What were they running short on time for? The, was it the enterprise panel went long? Something went long right before them. And so they decided to cut out that last part to get them back on schedule. I did I hear. was a, a okay. next gen panel after that. Next, yeah, that's right. Uh, okay. Okay. I mean, I know that there was a lot of the high sign, the, uh, 
the the musical cue for people to get off stage. I mean, Scott Bakula kind of made a real funny point about that in his you know in his panel, but it felt like they were trying to keep everything at a pretty brisk pace. And I know that there were issues, I guess, or some feedback from fans saying that. It just the, they felt that for the fiftieth, a lot of the panels didn't have a chance to breathe, mm. because they had I, probably because they tried to cram too much in, maybe, maybe, and and also I know that one of the biggest probably critiques that I've heard across the board were um, that the, the the panels or the actors were divided into segments, and why not have the entirety? Like Anthony Montgomery wasn't with the rest of mm. them and Scott Bakula wasn't with the rest of Enterprise. I don't know how scheduling works and the logistics works in terms of trying to schedule all the talent, but I know that in previous conventions, I've heard that they've had the entirety of casts together yep, at yes. one point in time, yes. which made up for a more robust experience. They have indeed, yep. I think that, well, and Dan and I have talked about this offline, but I think that's pretty illustrative of our disappointment in creation in general. I don't necessarily want to bash them, but you know, I've, I've been to other conventions where they have had full cast panels or I'd say probably about 85% of the cast, give or take. And it has been a much more robust discussion and it allowed for a greater diversity in their panel schedule. I think this year they tried to split them up as much as possible to take up the five days. And honestly, that, that first day, oh. which was not really a full day at all, was really kind of wasted, I think. They had such great additions to the panels, like the Shakespeare and Star Trek and the mm -hmm. women in Star Trek panels. And I think that if they had applied themselves and come up with more interesting things, I think that that would have made up for a lot of it. Or, or maybe, you know, open some of that up to the fans like they did for the Roddenberry stage and, and ask them for panel suggestions. Personally, I like some of the smaller panels. I liked going to the Mission Log panel and listening to John and Ken and Rod talk to the fans. Mm -hmm. I liked seeing what was going on in Quark's Bar with some of the skit type panels, you know, yep. with a lot of the trivia. I think that connects with fans a little bit more. And I don't want to say this the wrong way and I don't want the listeners to take this the wrong way, but I think sometimes in panels you get to hear stories that you may have heard before in a different variation of sorts. Yep. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So when you go there and you hear A, B, and C told more like B, A, and C or C, A, and B, you're like, okay, yeah. but when you walk around as a fan and meet new people, those conversations and the handshakes and the looks and the glances and the photo opportunities and the stories you get to share with each other for the very first time and the relationships that you make. Right. I don't think that you can put a price tag on those occasions and those will never, ever repeat themselves. That's right. Right. Yep. I think Absolutely. that's, that's 100% fair. I, um, there's still things I, I love about going to creation conventions. You know, I get to see my Trek family. That's always great. I get to see the people who made all of these great hours of entertainment. And that brings me joy. Mm -hmm. I just wish for the 50th that they had upped the spectacle a little bit because they said for a year that's what they were going to do. Ultimately, I had a great time. I don't want to sound like I hated the convention because I certainly didn't. But, you know, when I got back and I was thinking about it, I'm like, Especially when I start looking at the uh, the Star Trek Mission New York mm -hmm. panel selections for that Reed Pop is doing in a few weeks, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh man, right. screenings those would have been so awesome. Stuff like that. 
I, I don't think that um, it, it's any fault of creations. And, and like Bill said, we don't want to bash creation. But I was extremely disappointed that there was really nothing about Discovery during the entire time we were out there. Yeah. I understand that they're going to have their press events and they're going to have things that are going to come down the line. And it may not have jived with when Las Vegas was happening. But this is Star Trek 50 in, mm-hmm. LA, in Las Vegas. There should have been something scheduled for the people that were out there. This is the biggest thing to come along uh, in a long time for uh, for Trek fans, especially for, for the small screen. And to really not have anything except when it's in casual conversation with people on panels, like Scott had some great things to say I, I heard about mm-hmm. um, about Discovery. Um, it would have been nice to have something. Now, we do know, the I believe the plan is that they're going to have some stuff coming up in Mission New York. Uh, they had some stuff at San Diego Comic-Con. So I kind of felt a little slighted as being somebody who went to Vegas that there was nothing for Discovery. I have to agree on that because – I know Mission New York has their thing, and they're going to get their panel. And I don't think that it would have been probably as slight as much if it stayed within the Star Trek family. But I remember sitting here and getting all the feedback from SDCC and the release of Discovery information there. I'm like, wow, really? Yeah. yeah. They released the very first shot of Discovery at a comic convention? Now, yeah. it's not just any comic convention. I get that. Right, right. It's, Star- it's, you know, it's San Diego. But... Set what was it? Two weeks later, three weeks later was Las exactly, Vegas. Exactly my yep. point. Yep. Absolutely. And you have the largest concentration of Star Trek fans probably within the calendar year that has happened at one point in time, and you couldn't wait to deliver it to them. Yeah. And then days after STLV, they made announcements at a at a CBS press thing about the time frame and the mm-hmm. fact that it may not focus on the captain specifically. All kinds of details that they could have given us 72, 128 hours before or whatever. But, you know, they, they chose to drop it when they dropped it. And it was, I was disappointed more than anything else. On that note, Bill, I'd also say that you've said this a couple of times, um, in, on Twitter and on, on our Facebook page is, is at one point creation announced that Brian Fuller was going to be in Vegas and right. then they unannounced him. And yeah. a, a lot of people didn't know how to read into that. Well, I guess now we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a strange thing. And I, um, Todd even asked me, it's like, what about that new TV show? I'm like, well, I don't see it anywhere listed on the, on the program here. And, I, and don't you think that the social media wildfire would have just torn through that place as soon as we got a shot of the ship? Oh, oh yeah. Oh. God, it would have been the amazing. conversations in the hallways at at the Hash of Gogo or at El what's it called El Burro? That's Scott Jerry's restaurant, baby. El Burro yeah. Bracho. There you go. El Flavor Town. You know, Flavor Town. <laughs> the conversations in the hallways and in everywhere would have just been off the charts. Yeah, yeah. Especially since this is a fandom that is starved for Star Trek on television. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, they had the CBS All Access commercial playing in the rotunda of the convention space all weekend long. You would think they might have thrown us a little bit of a bone and said, "Okay, guys, here you go. Here's something." But so oh, well, did, you get, did you get a chance to talk to anybody about how they felt about CBS All Access? Like, oh well, I got to get it because I have to watch Star Trek. But it's you have to get it. You, I think you do. I mean, I know people who are just bound and determined to not get it simply because they don't want to pay for another streaming service. But mm-hmm. I didn't hear anybody at the con, you know, 
throwing shade on CBS All Access. I, um, as far as, well, and I'm sure they were there. I just, I wasn't exposed to it, but by and large, everyone I've talked to is excited the new series is coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. And, and with the new news that we've gotten since Vegas about, you know, when it's going to take place and character types, I think it makes us all more excited for it. I know I'm more excited. Finally having, having that concrete, you know, knowing that it's going to be the prime universe. It's going to take mm-hmm. place, uh, a decade. Was that, is a decade before TOS? 10 years um, before. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm very excited to finally have something, not a rumor anymore. Um, but again, I would have loved to have that happen when we were in Vegas, have that announced by anybody. It doesn't even, it didn't have to be Brian Fuller. It could have been anybody. It would have been big news. It could have been a, you know, a pre-roll video that somebody sent over and said, Hey, play this for show fans will love it. Mm-hmm. Or so. even the stuff that they showed at SDCC. I would have loved to have seen on those large monitors. I would love to have seen the discovery roll out from that asteroid base. That right. would have been yeah. so cool. Yep. Yeah. The, and shades of Ralph McQuarrie all over the place, man. Big time. Just, <laughs> my, my inner child was going. <laughs> and a lot of Klingon esque music. Yes. Yes. Yep. You know, I, I've got a, I've got a longstanding beef with the way Klingons have been portrayed over the years. And I'm interested to see what happens with this series. Cause, you know, we're going to see them. We just, we know what's going to happen. You know, it's 10 years before TOS. It's an inevitability. Yeah. So I can only hope they're more like core mm-hmm. and yeah. less like, say, I don't know, claw. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, on the last show that I did with my recap, I, I talked about that and I may have drawn some serious fire from the empire because I am right with you there, Bill. It, the Klingons from TOS are my Klingons. Yes. Right. Not just aesthetically, but the essence of how they serve their empire. Exactly. They're not watered down. Exactly. When we got to claw, it really was a copy of a copy of a fax of an email of um you know a xerox it was it was so not anything remotely klingon aside from the fact that aesthetically he looked like one it's funny because i was just a a guest on a, a different podcast called synthaholics that's dropping this week and we we're talking about star trek 5 and one of my problems with claw is that he looks like he just stepped out of a kiss tribute band and took off his clown white makeup yeah and you know you get the hair you get the you know the the costume with the you know the deep chest v and all of that stuff it's like come on guys <laughs> so <laughs> now i can picture is klingons singing kiss songs <laughs> yeah, just just you can wipe that out of your memory just step into my neural neutralizer and we'll take care of you oh <laughs> uh, uh, everybody let's go to elba 2 come on <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> queen to queen's level 3 that's wow. right yep loving it <laughs> So, Norm, I got to ask you, this is a hard question because I don't even know how I'd answer the question. But sure, we're out there for a week. Mm -hmm. What was your favorite moment? I think my favorite moment was looking out. I was on the the TOS cosplay panel and getting on stage and looking out and seeing what probably – what what all the stars see, and it's not just the adulation of fans; it's just how many people were so into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was hard to see because you know the the floodlights were on you, but yeah. the D Kelly stage. I mean, that place was packed, and and people were just so genuinely stoked to be there. That's so yeah. Californian. I'm sorry, but <laughs> you know, but they were they were generally excited. 
for you to be up there and they were generally excited for everyone else to be there. The the passion that was coursing through that convention center was palpable. Yeah. Totally. And you could feel it. And I, I think that's something that I guess maybe as a first time attendee, I was just trying to tap into as much of that as I possibly could. And it wasn't hard. You know, people there are just walking around proud of their show or representing their series and just doing so was such gusto. It was yeah. really great to see every day, every day. That's awesome. Yeah. As, uh, your California thing was pretty cool. As somebody who lives in Maine, dude, I can say that was wicked pizza. Yeah, wicked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah. So, you know, this was your first. So, mm-hmm. How is it you've never been to a Star Trek convention, you know, like STLV? I mean, because you're a dyed-in-the-wool TOS guy, right? Yes, I am. And that's a really good question. And it's hard to answer that because I grew up on the East Coast. And yeah. I'm, o- I'm only a 15-year, 16-year California veteran. And on the East Coast, I didn't really have a lot of uh, access to get to around to New York City and to some of the smaller conventions like Cherry Hill or mm-hmm. or Paramus Park anywhere in those or East Rutherford you know I was I was in school I was I was doing my art thing it was just you know and I was kind of financially challenged quote unquote that <laughs> but I always loved Star Trek and I think as long as I stayed connected with it in some way whether it was popping in a VHS or talking about it with someone in class I think that I was okay there I didn't really need to go to the convention route, but getting out here, it was my convention. My convention appetite was satiated by Star, uh, San Diego Comic Con. Okay, and that pretty much got me through the con season because it, you know, San Diego got exponentially bigger and bigger and bigger. As soon as Lord of the Rings hit, maybe around Two Towers or Return of the King around O two or O three, mm-hmm. it started getting really big. The cosplay started getting bigger, and then all of a sudden, like Iron Man hit, and then. Boom. Yeah. You know, everything just went completely warp speed to San Diego Comic Con. And I did that for about nine years in a row. And that started getting a little wearisome on me because the tendons started getting larger and the volume started getting bigger. And then everyone started wearing backpacks and you felt like you're, you know, headbutting all those different sand bags in the 36 (laughs) chamber of Shaolin and Master Killer. You know, that's how you. Oh I'm, I'm flexing a little bit of my trivia here. Wow, I'm, I'm, a little I'm, bit, I'm, yeah. I'm boasting a little bit, but but yeah, you just you just felt like there wasn't enough room to breathe. So I did attend a couple of smaller ones when it was in Pasadena, like earlier on in 2000. But sure, they were nice. I just I guess uh, as I got older and more in tune with Trek fandom and started getting more into the podcasts and behind the scenes, and I, I felt like it was it was more of a responsible choice to try and really dive deep into the fandom and meet people and experience just the, uh, the overall audience passion of it from the ground level. And the 50th was definitely, it was the center point of, of my whole vacation planning for this year for everything. Yeah. And I'd started that. What do they release the, the tickets around November, October, November of last year? Yeah, it was incredibly early. I want to say it was probably November toward mid, mid-month or so. Yeah, and that was a saga all in of itself because I had some sweet captain's chairs picked out and the Creation Con software was killing me. Oh. <laughs> Everyone hears That's that. You're like, brutal. yep. Yeah, yep. yep. I, um, 
you know, we, we bought tickets earlier than we've ever had to before with it being the 50th. You know, in years past, I would get a group on about a month before the convention for each of the, the five days singly. And it wasn't a problem. I'd pay about, you know, half price. Mm-hmm. And, you know, full con access, I'd have to sign in every day or, you know, uh, get my, my wristband. But it was fantastic. But general admission weekend sold out in, in what, just a, a handful of days? Right, yep. And we were lucky we got in when we did because there were plenty of people we knew that were priced out already at that point. It was crazy. Yeah. I think in hindsight, though, knowing what I know now and knowing how big 50 was, and, and I think that 51 is going to be pretty big, too, because it's the 30th anniversary of The Next Generation right, and it's yeah. the first anniversary of Discovery. Yep. Yes. So you have, no, those are some big notes. And, but looking at strategizing my, my convention plans for next year, I think that I may straddle the fence between copper and general just because I don't sit in a lot of panels. And right. I think that copper and higher give you, you know, they obviously give you your reserved seats and they give you better access to the autograph panels and the early access autograph and, and going, you know, up that scale. But I don't really chase down autographs or, or want to chase down meeting celebrities. If I do, I do. And if I don't, that's fine. Right. So if I'm going to walk around like I did last this year and just try and meet all the different people and go to the different smaller venues, you know, like the D. Kelly Theater and Quarks, I don't really think I need to go and invest into larger packages just because I don't think I'll get the dollar value that I want out of that. Yeah, exactly. I agree. We tend to do the general admission for that reason alone because you get a seat somewhere in Mm -hmm. GA. And but we spend most of our time outside the main theater, so you know we're sort of adding those dollars to somewhere else for our budget. Right. Yep. Yep. That's that's totally smart. Yep. We um we, you know we participated with the Roddenberry Stage and Quark's Bar this year. Dan was uh, a panelist on Match Game as Guy Fieri, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was in the Podcaster Summit, and I thought that. Roddenberry did a fantastic job with programming that stage. I can only hope that they get to do it again next year, or maybe they get to take over the programming of the D. Kelly Theater. I think that that would be phenomenal because I thought it was really interactive, and I enjoyed that a lot. Dan, did you say that this was your second convention? This is my second Vegas. Last year was my first Vegas. Vegas. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I've been to several conventions. It had been, it had been quite a while since I had been to any real conventions. Okay. Um, back in 2014, Bill and I went to, uh, Trek Boss in Boston. Um, and it was the first time that we had actually seen each other in about a decade. Um, and it's where the idea of, of our podcast uh, came to fruition. Bill, uh, Bill thought it would be a good idea to start something. So we started that ball rolling and I give him all the credit in the world for it. But it was like we had never not seen each other for a decade by being at this convention. Um, and then it came about that, uh, you know, he goes to Vegas all the time. So, um, last year was my first. Um, and I gotta say, I'll, I'll tell you what I said in one of our previous podcasts. I was more excited for this year than I think I was for last year because this year I was going back to meet and see all the friends that I made last year. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and next year is going to be even better because I'm going to get to see you again, buddy. Yeah, I that's, and yes, I, I no, I feel I feel totally the same way. Unless you're talking to Bill. No, so. no, believe me, <laughs> dude, I am not talking to Bill. Believe you me. <laughs> No, I feel the same way. And, and I, I told this to Todd and I said, you know what, you want to think about coming back next year? And he goes, let me think about it. But for me, I think that coming back a consecutive year will really put everything into perspective yes. of what 
the previous convention, what 50 really meant, because I do want to come back for the people and all the people that I've met. I do want to have that experience behind me. And now I can just stroll through the halls and not have the expectation of trying to absorb everything. So, so vigorously right inside me as much as I still want to. Mm-hmm. And I think that just, you'll have just general basic, better knowledge of how to you know conduct your affairs during the convention. Right. But I definitely want to be able to hang out with you guys and, and meet the people that again, I met this, this year. And I don't know, even like do stuff outside of the convention. You, you yeah. guys went golfing. Right. Oh, we went to a yeah. place. Uh, go ahead, Bill. Tell us about Top Golf because that was pretty awesome. Well, you know, this is my sixth straight STLV, and it was born out of a trip to Trek Boss back in 2010 or 2011. I think it was maybe it was 2011. Um, my wife took me to Trek Boss specifically so I get my photo taken with William Shatner, and mm-hmm. it was a dumpy little convention that year. It was at a terrible hotel and. You know, the, the facilities were not great. The sound system was even worse. And I got my photo taken with Shatner, which was the highlight of the weekend. So nice. my wife asks me, you know, the next day, so what did you think of the convention? She knew I hadn't been to one in about 15 years. And I said, well, you know, it was kind of lame. She goes, oh, that's too bad. She goes, well, you know what? You should take that photo of you and Captain Kirk and take it to Vegas to get it signed. And I said, Vegas is in three weeks. And then she said words that, you know, essentially launched a thousand ships. <laughs> she said, well, I guess you better get cracking. I can't go with you, but maybe you could call a couple of your buddies and see if they'll go to Vegas. And that's how the trip we now call Golf Trek was born. Awesome. So, you know, we get together and we do a little Trek convention. We do some golf. It's uh, It's been the same core group of about four or five guys every year. And then we add people every year. Mm-hmm. So we're up to about somewhere between eight and 10, depending on who can make it, whichever year. And Dan has now made it to two. This year we went to Top Golf, which is out by the MGM Grand. And it's kind of like they take bowling and mix it with a driving range <laughs> and add phenomenal food and fantastic cocktails. Yep. That sounds amazing. It was so, so you will fun. have to join us next year because if you can't play golf, it doesn't matter. Uh, perfect. <laughs> but I can I bowl. Play. I can bowl. So okay, yeah. <laughs> or if I, you have I'm a really terrible. good throwing arm, you know, <laughs> I'll have to find a rudimentary lathe. <laughs> oh yeah. man, that's twice with the wow. lathe. Wow. I know. I was watching a little Galaxy Quest earlier. Just you know, I, I posted uh, that on Facebook. And okay, so here's the thing that I wanted to ask you guys, and yeah, and, yeah. and maybe um some of the listeners can also pipe in their feedback later on. Is it? I guess, is it kosher? I'll use kosher loosely. Is it kosher to wear something outside of Star Trek cosplay just because you're such a huge fan of it? In this case, Galaxy Quest. Absolutely. I say yes. Yep. You know, uh, there was this debate on the the tricorder transmissions on their their Shore Leave podcast, which is uh, a podcast we're very friendly with. Our friends host that. And, you know, there were some people who were getting down on cosplayers because they weren't engaging in Star Trek cosplay. And I just... I'm like, come on, people. Yeah. Let's be adults here. Right. If it's something you're a fan of, then who cares? Exactly. Yeah. One of yeah. my one of the coolest moments that I saw at Quarks one day, we were sitting in there just uh, you know, getting a, something to drink or eat or something, and Doctor Who was sitting in the captain's chair. He looks <laughs> I mean, so it good. Was didn't just he? so awesome. He looks yeah. so great. Who oh, cares yeah. if it's not Trek? I think that's I think that's silly. Well, the funny thing is, is that there have been all these great Trek crossovers in IDW, you True. know, with the comic books. Yep. So, yeah. 
you had I could come as Green Lantern and technically that would be canon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely, it would be. Right. Yep, absolutely. Oh, you you should totally do that next I year. Should do that. Oh my god. And you'd be way better than Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> a lunchbox would be a little bit better than Ryan Reynolds. Wow. Uh, yeah. But Damn, then again, they were, they were lunchbox Green Lanterns. I mean, <laughs> Green Lantern Corps. Okay, so here's a funny thing. So yeah, yeah. Will and I, Will and Wynn and I, uh, who he got on TV when he was there. He I was saw part, that. He was part of a local news bit, which oh, was nice. awesome. Yeah. But we're both huge Green Lantern fans. And the reason why, and we're both big Star Trek fans, is because we're both we are both huge believers in infinite diversity and infinite combinations. And the Green Lantern Corps actually does represent that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what race, what religion, what creed, what sex, what, whatever the yep. ring chooses you the best person for the job. Yep. And, uh, there's my Green Lantern spiel. Wow. So, yeah. well, the ring is about to choose Dan Davids. No, it's never going to do that. Oh, no, never. Wow. <laughs> I don't even have anything to say about that. You big jerk. Thanks. <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny, you you guys are talking about attending your your second STLVs, Dan, your third next year. Um, I think next year is my seventh straight, and I get joy not only out of seeing my friends and the people I've met, but in going with other people to the convention for whom it is their first time. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, I get, because it's cool for me to see things as they see them and see the sort of wonderment and amazement you know i we had a friend that went this year it was his first and you know it was totally mind-blowing for him and it was that way for dan last year and it's like oh i remember that feeling and he's a voyager fan too i know uh, and i just I don't get that <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm glad that you brought that up because it was the same way for todd it was todd's first convention of any kind i mentioned that earlier in the show yeah and i would love to share with you this one moment, that one singular moment that made his convention. Yeah. Because I've never seen him do this like ever, like in any of the things that we've ever done and any of the fan stuff that we've ever been involved with. But it was Friday and Friday was his last full day. And we were walking out. We were walking down the long, around the corner through security, down the long hallway. And right mm -hmm. before we turned that corner, we were right where the, that nice 50 anniversary backdrop was. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the uh, coming the other way was Vic and Michelle, and he looks at me and he goes, "That's Vic." <laughs> I do that, and and he goes, "You know how much he loves loves Star Trek continues, loves Star Trek continues." He talks to, to me about it all the time, and he said, he goes, uh, when he arrived on Wednesday, he goes, hey, Norm, you think Vic's going to be here? Maybe, you know, I'll see him in the hallway. I'm like, I, I don't know Vic's schedule. I don't see Star Trek continues on the on the <laughs> roster here, but he might be. I mean, this is Star Trek Las Vegas. And then literally, like, one of the last things we were able to do, uh, he was able to see Vic and Michelle and take pictures with them. And he was just able to express how huge of a fan he was of Star Trek continues. He and I, to this day, still both think that Lalani is one of the top TOS episodes of all time. Oh, so do we. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. There, there's a lot of love for Star Trek continues on Trek Geeks. Mm -hmm. Believe me. Yeah. <laughs> so he was able to express that, and Vic was so nice and, and was able to kind of engage with Todd. And, and God's honest truth here, the last thing that I did on my very ill-organized Sunday was to meet with uh, – actually, I saw Vic and, and Michelle. They were in their power couple twock yes, uh, costumes. Awesome. I missed that. They were awesome. And I was just standing there kind of like hanging back and taking pictures. And then Vic looked, Vic looked at me and he goes, you, come here. <laughs> I go, okay. And I go, I'll take your picture. Sure. And he goes, no, no, no. Get in the picture with us. And I go, okay. He goes, 
That's Ron Tracy's costume. I go, <laughs> yes, it is. That's I'm like awesome. all shaking and stuff. You know, I was like, oh my God, Vic knows, oh my God, he knows this is my Ron Tracy costume, you know? <laughs> and then he pinches my shoulder. He's like, Michelle, this is some tight velour. Look at this velour. <laughs> he goes, what did you, where did you get this? I go, I told her about, um, I told him about, uh, my tailor, Stephanie, uh, Maria Mousy on eBay, who does great stuff. And I'm sorry, that's not a plug plug, but it is a plug. No, it's okay. Um, but she does, she does a great job. And, but he, he was just so nice and he whispered in my ear. He goes, where's your friend? I go, he had to leave. And then Michelle's like, yeah, where's the tall blonde guy? He was great. <laughs> and I said, wow, dude, you should have stayed here one more day. Yep. So, but that was, that was a really great experience. They were so sweet. And I love being able to tell him how much I enjoy his work and, and what a fantastic job they do with Star Trek continues. They are phenomenal. We had uh, we had dinner with Vic in Boston last weekend when he was up for Boston Comic Con, mm-hmm. and he's become a great friend of both of us, and not only of the show but personally. And you know, he has such an amazing passion for the original series that it's made me go back and watch it. Mm-hmm. And I've rediscovered my passion for the original series because of Vic, and I will always thank him for that. I really will. Yeah. Well, there are those moments when you really know, like the the original series fans that that really get it, and uh, I just need to kind of share a couple of really signature moments that were really meaningful to me. Is that okay? Sure, yeah, absolutely. There were two or three, I think two definitely, where I was waiting for Todd to come down. He went to go get a drink, and I was hanging out in front of the the Mexican restaurant and just kind of hmm, okay, I'll wait for him, whatever. And someone taps me on the shoulder. And asks to take my picture, and I turn around, and it's Michael Kuda. Oh wow! <laughs> mm-hmm. And I got a little—I swear—I I got a little weak need. I'm like, "Hi, Mike." I'm like, "How are you?" And he goes, "Oh, great." He goes, "I love the Corey costume." And he goes, "Can I take your picture?" And I'm like, well, "Of course you can." But he like reaches his hand out to introduce himself. I'm like, "Mike, I know who you are." <laughs> and then he calls Denise over, and then she comes over. It's like, "Wow!" And they were all really excited, like genuinely, enthusiastically excited about it. And I took pictures with them. I posted those on Facebook. And that was really, really a special moment. That's awesome. And then the next day, it was a Saturday when Todd was gone. I was in the American Grill having a drink. And I was a little down and, you know, I was a little down, a little depressed because my traveling buddy is gone. And, you know, my my enthusiasm was, you know, a little waned. Yep. And then the guy taps me on the shoulder. I was kind of looking at the menu and I didn't really think anything of it. And he goes, I really like your costume. And this really kind of like gruff voice, and I look up, and it's Doug Drexler. Oh my oh, god! <laughs> right? Wow. And he was rushing off to see Dorothy. Dorothy. Yep. And I think he was having lunch with a couple of people, so he was in a rush. And I go, "Hi, Doug. How you doing?" And I'm like, "I'm." I introduced myself because I asked him to sign my NXO1 Refit magazine. I sent it to him. He signed it, and he was just such a sweet guy. We talked for about five minutes. He asked me why, and I gave him all the. The reasons why I wore the Governor Corey costume, and he goes, "I don't see that at all ever." Thank you for wearing it, he said. Yeah, I go. Awesome. It's my my pleasure, and it's nice talking to you. And 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 I said, "We'll we'll stay in touch on Facebook." And but just to see though, Michael Kuda, Denise Kuda, Doug Drexler, these are the people that they aren't the you know in the front of the camera celebrities, but these are the people that mm-hmm. are these are the fabric of Star Trek. Yeah, you know these are the the, th- the true through lines that have been in our spirits since well. As far as I can remember, I know the Kudas and, and Doug all the way back to Next Generation, and Doug's been a fan way before then. I'm sure the Kudas have been too. Right. Yeah, definitely. 
So you feel their connection with you when they recognize what you are wearing because you recognize that that was something that needed to be displayed, That's I great. guess. That's awesome. That's, yeah. And those are things you're going to remember the rest of your life. Exactly. And those are moments that you just can't trade for anything, and they wouldn't have happened if you hadn't gone to your first STLV, man. That's amazing. Right. And that costume was a last-minute addition to my repertoire of costumes. I had my Commodore's dress, and I had my NX-01 blues, and I had my Ron Tracy. But that one, I wanted to... I couldn't find it at first. And then throughout the course of you know, doing your internet kung fu, you find it. And I don't know. It just it was just one of those things. It was I guess it was meant to be. And I, I felt, first of all, it's super comfortable. It's like wearing pajamas because they are pajamas. <laughs> But there were some people that were walking around um, with this tantalus colony, you know, come and join us, come and join the colony. And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ken Ray said that I showed your picture, my picture to them when they were walking around. And they said, they are looking for you. I'm like, okay, because they want to take your picture. And then they ended up finding me on karaoke night two <laughs> and asked me to take you know pictures with them. And I said, wow, that's... You don't see a lot of love for the mental health right. costume. Right. No. You really But don't. it's there. Which it's, is kind of neat. It's so iconic too, just that image on the on the, the chest. It's so gotta, I love it. We gotta get a, a way we gotta figure out a way to like kinda like hang you up on a wall with your <laughs> arms. I sure felt that. I'll have to send you that picture of uh me before or during the conventions and me after because it's Corey hanging on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, uh, Norm, before we let you go, we want to talk to you a little bit about the Fandom Podcast Network and your show sure. over there. So um, tell us how you became associated with FPN and, and tell us a little bit about Blood of Kings. Well, my friend Kevin Reitzel is a podcaster and he worked on some other Star Wars podcasts. I was going to say Star Trek. Star Wars podcasts like Cloud, Kitty, uh, Cloud City Casino and things of that nature. And he said, you know, Norm... I really want to work with you, but you're really busy with Trek FM and Standard Orbit. And I told him that my tenure is going to be winding down pretty soon, so let's start working on a project. And he said, well, my friend Kyle and I, who we met at Dragon Con, we wanted to do um, a variety show where we're dealing with topics that are across the board in fandom and not just fantasy and science fiction and action adventure. We also want to do sports and current events and, and things of that nature. And he goes, do you have an idea that you want to pitch? And I said, well, I'd always like to do a Highlander show with you. We talked about that for about a good solid year. We just were, we just were never able to cut our thumbs on it. And we did. And Blood of Kings is essentially a variety show on, on Highlander. We don't focus on any one particular part of the genre. We talk about the movies, the television series, the audiobooks, the novels, the video game that almost was and everything in between the swords, the history, the trivia, Watcher's Chronicles, everything under the sun. We've actually just done shows that were pretty much based on travel because Kevin went to Star Wars Celebration in London and he went to Glen Finnan on the shores of Loch Shiel as oh, part wow. of his travel. Huh. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So I've been working with them um, since around mid-March, mid around April, and in concert with working with Trek FM. And it's growing steadily. We have a lot of really good fans and our numbers are continuing to develop. And we have other shows, one show called Couch Potato Theater, where we'll pick like a cult movie and talk about it at length, like The Last Starfighter or Krull, The Last Dragon, Megaforce yeah. just dropped. So 
we're we're in that same cloth is very much like I know you guys are. <laughs> I think oh, it's totally in our wheelhouse. I think that's yeah. what's so great about podcasting is that you can pick anything, any genre, and you can turn it into a great show, which is going to have all kinds of people flood to it and listen to it. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Question for you. Sure. Where can listeners find you on social media? Because I know you're out there all over the place. Well, you can find me on Facebook. Facebook is where I generally stay in contact with a lot of the listeners of the shows and fans and friends. You can also find me on Twitter at Starfighter1701. And it's the same address for Instagram. So those are generally where I can be seen conversing and connecting and just making sure people know what's going on. Awesome. Fantastic, folks. He is our, our good friend. We hope he comes back for many more appearances after this. Mr. Norman Lau, thank you so much for coming on this week. My honor, and thanks for having me. And I would definitely love to be able to talk to you guys again on and offline. It's been really fun getting to know you guys. Sounds good, brother. Okay, thank you so much. Dan, what a great conversation. We really have to thank Norm for coming on. And we hope everybody checks out his Highlander podcast on the, the uh, Fandom Podcast Network. I had to think about it for a second. And, um, and, and gets involved. He's such a great guy to talk to. And, man, he knows his trek. Uh, you know what? Um, he really does. I think he could give me a run for my money on, uh, on Stump the Geek. So we might have to have a special guest Stump the Geek episode sometime in the near future. I'm thinking that, and I'm just spitballing here, Super Bowl weekend, we should do a Super Stump the Geek, <laughs> and great. we should get Dr. Trek oh, to write the questions. Oh, my God. Really? Okay. I like I, that I, idea. It's just an idea. We're not saying it's going to happen, but doesn't that sound great? It sounds great. Is it going to be multiple choice, or is it going to just be, you know, you got to pull it out of thin air like I do now? You got to pull it out of thin air. All right. Or wherever you pull it out. Challenge of. accepted. You on, Norm? You on? Bring it on, man. Let's go. <laughs> Maybe we'll do teams. <laughs> oh, okay. Whose team are you going to be on? Because you're not going to be on mine. Uh, I'll be on five-year missions team, so take <laughs> oh, that. Oh, you already are, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of five-year mission, Dan, we'd be incredibly remiss if we didn't thank them for letting us use their music for each and every episode of the podcast. They were truly amazing in Vegas, weren't they? They were awesome in Vegas. They really kept the crowd going. They actually got to have a special set uh, due to a cancellation. I think it was Carl uh, wasn't able to show up, so they put that slot in for them. So they got to to jam on stage a little extra, and uh, it, it really is great to watch them. I'm so glad that they were the house band. Um, I want to see them there every year, to be honest with you. Um, Here's hoping. But, you know, I got to say, um, you know, a little STLV, post-STLV depression, so I had to sit in the, my room the you know, the other day and watch an episode. So this was a good episode. I, I really enjoyed okay. it. It was um, – the Enterprise actually was bringing Ambassador Robert Fox to Amini R7. You remember that episode? Yeah, the crew discovers that, you know, there's a war going on with Vendicar and, and it's only fought with computers. And band members were willingly, Bill, walking into disintegration machines. It was a taste of Farkmageddon. It was a great episode, and I highly recommend it to everybody. I'm surprised you didn't call the other planet Vendafark. <laughs> hey, 
don't write my stuff for me. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Well, we hope everyone we hope everyone heads on over to fiveyearmission.net, checks out their music. Maybe you'll be prepping for next year, who knows, but you know, get some great tunes and and enjoy yourself. So thank them very much for everything they do for us. Um, to subscribe to Trek Geeks on your iPhone, iPod, or other iOS device, head on over to iTunes.TrekGeeks.com. And if you're an Android device user, like the two hosts of this here podcast, sure. yeah, you can head on over to GooglePlay.TrekGeeks.com. Dan, why don't you tell us what's coming up next week? Next week, it is the return of Say It or Skip It. Theaters get back. Yes, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a look at the first season of Star Trek: The Next Generation. It's going to be celebrating its 30th anniversary very soon, or the the year of the 30th anniversary. So we figured we will bring in a special guest to help us. We're going to have Mr. Daniel Garcia on the show. Uh, and for those of you who are not familiar with Dan, he is the third most important admin on our Camp Kittimer page. So we're lucky that we could have him. The other two admins were too busy doing things. So we decided, you know, maybe Dan will have some free time. So he's coming on. He doesn't do much. So <laughs> I'm sure he's got plenty of time. Yeah, no, Dan is, Dan is fantastic. He's awesome. He's- He's a great friend of ours, and we're excited to have him on the show to guide us through and keep us from killing each other. <laughs> wow. That's gonna be, is it going to be like a throwdown for See It or Skip It this week? Uh, the Thunderdome, baby. Oof. All right. Dan, for more great Star Trek discussion, we hope everyone checks out the Tricorder Transmissions online at thetricordertransmissions.com. And, of course, for all the latest news on everything Star Trek, we hope everyone visits treknews.net. For now, this has been Episode 73 of Trek Geeks. We do hope you all live long and prosper. So I'm holding in my hand. Hear it? I got it right here in my hand. It's at the yeah. store yesterday. Okay. It's Coco Real, Real Gourmet Cream of Coconut. I'm not even joking. It's right here. Cream of coconut to make drinks with. I don't even know what I'm going to make, but just having cream of coconut in my hand makes me feel kind of special. Yeah, you're special, buddy. I make things go. You're doing a great job, Kitten. Thank you. Talking Trek. So I got the name of that so I won't forget. Uh, okay. Details. I got the Star Trek details. Box office update. Don't need that. Don't need that. I think I got everything I need. Do you want me to audacity or you think we're good? I think we'll be okay. Okay. Thank uh, you. Yes. Do we have any outtake yet? Um, maybe if I go through the norm stuff, but not necessarily. Okay. I don't know if we had much this week. So I'm watching Highlander this week. Yes, I saw that uh, Facebook post. I watched the first one. It was good. Watch it. Did you have Sean Connery talking to you? Sean Connery. Greetings, Highlander. 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 
he's got the Marx Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) He's got so he's supposed to be from Egypt, but yet he's got a Latino name. Well, it's kind of like you know Benedict in in the darkness. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, let me read you his name because I was like, what? And of course, he sounds Scottish. Yes. So he's a Scottish guy who's supposed to be from Egypt, yet you know has the following name: McGintock Waffle. Sorry, <laughs> might have to cut that. <laughs> Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. That's his name in Highlander. Yes, I did not know that. Yeah, I haven't seen Highlander in twenty plus years, and I never realized that was his name. It's been thirty years since it came out this year. Wow. That's amazing. And then I watched Highlander 2, The Quickening. Yeah. In which he also makes an appearance. Is Dr. Bashir in that one and he tries to save everyone from The Quickening? Oh, no. Sorry. Wrong episode. No. (laughs) Pretty sure he's not. (laughs) Yeah. I'll go back and look. (laughs) Um, Clancy Brown is in the first one. He's great in everything he's in. Which Who's he? Um... You, he's in Shawshank Redemption. Yes, okay. the that's guard. the guy. I thought he was the bad guy in the first one, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. He's also in. Uh, is he in Forty Eight Hours? No, uh, but I, I know who you're talking about. He's also he was in. Um, uh, he was in. Uh, what's the name of the town where the headless horseman is in? Sleepy Hollow. Yes, he was in Sleepy Hollow. Uh, he was he's in been an in episode of Enterprise. Yep, yep. I know. I like that guy. He's a good actor. Oh, yes, he's, he's phenomenal. Yeah, he's. He's at his 80s goodness in Highlander, but <laughs> Highlander 2, The Quickening, it's not terrible, yeah. but it's not great. <laughs> Isn't Connery, is Connery in that one? He is, actually. Okay, yeah, I thought so. I'm going to have to rewatch it. Is it on Netflix? Uh, it's on Hulu. Okay. That's where I watched it. All right. Um, but I think you have to be a subscriber. Yeah. So I, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm in the club. Some Highlander props for Mr. Lau. That would be awesome. Yes, yes. What was the phrase when they were going to kill him? Uh, there can be only one. There can be only one, yeah. Okay. My wife and I actually say that around the house all the time when somebody talks about there being one of something. That's kind of Not, interesting. I don't think either of us really realized we were quoting Highlander. Right. And then there's also that dragon movie that he drew, the, the last dragon, I think it's called. I forget, but he's the voice of the dragon. And he oh, no. says, I am the last one. So that's no, kind of neat. The last dragon... <laughs> <laughs> the Last Dragon is a really campy, cheesy 80s movie about uh, Bruce Leroy, who is okay. the first African-American kung fu master. It's a movie actually produced by Barry Gordy, who ran oh, okay. Motown. You know what it is? It's Dragonheart. That's yeah, what you're I'm thinking, thinking of Dragonheart. Yep, that's it. Yep. Which is a fantastic movie. Yes, it's good. It's great. Well, great special effects for a 1996 movie. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and Movie Time with Dan is brought to you by the Trek Geek Shop. Ah. Now you can get some great Star Trek gear and support us at the same time at shop.trekgeeks.com. Wow. That was kind of impressive. Was it? It wasn't bad. No, you. Yeah, I think you should do the next commercial. Um, Maybe it will be that way for Talking Trek. Oh, well, possible. Possible. Of course, I'll one. make that decision since I'm going to be producing it. So you why will. don't you show your face? I have some things for you to review on the G Drive when you have a minute. Okay. 